Lord, open our hearts and minds to you. Guide us by your Holy Spirit and grant us wisdom and understanding that as the scriptures are read and your word proclaimed, may we be filled with joy at what you say to us this day. And let God's people say, Amen. Our reading today comes from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 14, verses 13 through 23. So stop judging each other. Instead, this is what you should decide. Never put a stumbling block or obstacle in the way of your brother or sister. I know and am convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing is wrong to eat in itself. But if someone thinks something is wrong to eat, it becomes wrong for that person. If your brother or sister is upset by your food, you are no longer walking in love. Don't let your food destroy someone for whom Christ died. And don't let something you consider to be good be criticized as wrong. God's kingdom isn't about eating food and drinking, but about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever serves Christ this way pleases God and gets human approval. So let's strive for the things that bring peace and the things that build each other up. Don't destroy what God has done because of food. All food is acceptable, but it's a bad thing if it trips someone up to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything that trips your brother or sister. Keep the belief that you have to yourself. It's between you and God. People are blessed who don't convict themselves by the things they approve. But those who have doubts are convicted if they go ahead and eat because they aren't acting on the basis of faith. Everything that isn't based on faith is sin. So the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Today's scripture is the first in a three-part series based on the teachings of John Wesley and summarized uh, by the Bishop Reuben P. Job that Wesley laid out three rules that if you follow them, you can pretty much stick by everything that Christ taught. And those three rules are, do no harm, do good, and stay in love with God. And today we come to the first rule, do no harm. And this one is always a tricky one because it sounds like the easiest to keep. And I think it's really the hardest. And I think it comes for us, it's the hardest. Because if we can master this one, the others seem a lot easier. Now we might think, do no harm, that should be an easy thing. I haven't gone around hitting anybody today, so I must be fine. But Paul gives us an example of how we can do harm without even thinking about it. And his example is that there are people who think that everything is fine to eat and that there's nothing that's off limits, and there's people who think that eating certain things is wrong. Now Paul knows that Jesus declared that all foods are clean, so he has no worry about what he eats. But he also knows that not everybody around him has a faith as strong as his. And he knows that there are going to be people who still stick to those dietary rules and who feel like if they break them, that they're doing something wrong. Paul could say, well, then tell them it's okay to eat everything and then go and eat in front of them and make them feel bad for what they believe. 
but he realizes that that's not helping anyone and it's doing damage to everybody involved. It would be doing harm because it would be causing somebody else to stumble in their faith. Paul instead suggests, keep your opinion to yourself if it's going to hurt somebody else and if you're around them, then don't eat. Because if you know all foods are clean, it's not going to hurt you just to not eat to help them. And it's an interesting concept because Paul notes that some people are weaker in faith than other people are stronger in faith, but that it's those who are weak in faith that we need to be looking out for. And this idea of doing no harm starts to come to light as a way of not putting a stumbling block in front of somebody. Because Paul's saying, don't judge. Paul is saying, you can have your beliefs, and that's fine. But if you make somebody else feel like their faith is inadequate because of them, then your beliefs are harming somebody. If your beliefs are causing somebody else to stumble in their faith and somebody else to walk away from God, then maybe those are beliefs that you need to keep inside. Now, of course, there's times where we have to say something, and there's times where we have to speak up, and that's also to prevent harm. Because the thing is, is that one of the main things we have to recognize about Paul's example is that people aren't doing something to somebody else. They're doing something in their own life. They're deciding what they should eat and what they shouldn't eat. And he recognizes that somebody deciding that they should not eat an unclean animal isn't going to do harm to anybody else. What we also have to recognize is that there are times when we have to do what we would consider to be harm in order to be able to do good. That if we have to do something that somebody else doesn't like to keep them safe, they may think that we're doing them harm when we're really doing them good. That if somebody's about to hurt themselves and we stop them, we may not be able to stop them in a very peaceful way, but we still have to act. And the thing is, is that when we talk about not doing harm, it means not doing things that we know that we could avoid. That when we do harm, it may be saying something that hurts somebody else's feelings. That if we call somebody out for their sins, and we judge them and we pick on them, then we're doing harm. And it's almost impossible to sit and call somebody out for their sins without doing harm. Unless they're going to be hurting someone else. The reason that I say this is because too often we decide that the best way to correct somebody is to tell them exactly how they're sinning and how they're wrong and that that will bring them closer to God. The problem is, if I were to walk up to each and every one of you and point out all the ways that you're sinning and all the ways that you're failing, I doubt any of you is going to feel much closer to God after that conversation. I know my failings because I know I'm a sinner. 
I could sit and pick on all of you and say, well, I know you're all sinners. But I know what that's like. I know that I have sins that are between me and God. And only God knows my failings. But they're still very real. And I might be right at the edge where somebody pointing out one more way in which I've failed, I'll feel that I've failed God and walk away. I know it because I've seen it. And the question is, do we want to tear people down or do we want to build people up? We can build people up without having to call them out for whatever sins they may have because none of us is without sin. The only one without sin was Christ. And he went to the cross to die for all of our sins. And not just for some, but for all. Not for the few, but for the many. Christ didn't shed his blood for the righteous, he shed it for the sinner. And when we look at his example, who are the people that he went to be with? The outcasts and the sinners. Who did he decide that he would share a meal with? The outcasts and the sinners. Because who's in the most need of God's love? The least and the last. The outcasts and the sinners. We're all sinners. We may feel that some of our sins aren't as bad as somebody else's sins, but it doesn't make us clean. It doesn't make us better because we've still failed. But what we know is that Christ builds us back up. Christ is the solid rock that we stand on, the rock that gives us strength to make it through all things, the strength to see us through all things, which means that when we stand on that rock, there's nothing that can knock us down. Nobody else's sin is going to drag us away because our footing is firm in Christ. Now what it does mean is that when our footing is firm, that we can reach out to others. Instead of watching them, scrounging around, trying to figure out how to get up on the rock and going, well, if only you were standing on this rock, you'd be okay. That we get down and we lift them up. Because the best thing we can do if we want to help somebody get away from their sins is to love them. We love them and we care for them and we show them how we live. That we live as God's people. Not that we are special and we are chosen, but that we are special because God has lifted us up by his mercy, by his grace. That we are chosen in the same way that all are chosen. By our faith and the faith that Christ has in us to be better. That instead of tearing each other down, we build each other up because Christ has built us up. Christ had the perfect opportunity to judge all mankind. And instead he died that mankind could be forgiven. 
What does it say about that gift when we can't make that same choice? We will always have disagreements. I doubt that there is anything that we 100% agree on in this room. Because there will always be fine details and there will always be variances in how we think and how we feel. And some of us may not even feel the same way we do right now next week. And some of us may more often than not because we are struggling with certain things that are deep, deep problems for us and maybe are deep, deep problems for many. And sometimes life changes us because God shows us something new that we never expected to see. But there is one thing that we can do in the midst of all that. And that is lift each other up in Christ. I don't want to judge you. I don't want to judge you because Christ saw fit not to judge me. I want to be able to love because I know that it brings people closer to God and if people are closer to God, then God will sort out whatever problems they may have in their hearts. Even if I can't reach them, God can. And maybe God will help me see a little bit clearer and He'll help me remove the plank from my own eye because I know I see the world through the eyes of a sinner. I know I see the world only from where I am. I can't see what God sees in the hearts of others. I can't see what goodness and mercy may be there that I have never known. But I can do this. I can remove the stumbling block from in front of my brother or sister. I can take away the things that are keeping people from getting to God. I can take away the things that are keeping people from coming to Christ and I can help them. Because I am not called to judge Christ's people. I am called to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And to do that, I have to be able to do no harm so that people know that God means no harm to them. Because if we are a reflection of God's love, what does that say when we reject others? What does that tell them about our merciful God if we can't love one another? But if we can embrace that love deeply enough that we may love one another, that we may look past each other's sins and know that we may all be washed clean in the blood of Christ. That there is but one body, the body of the church, the body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, redeemed by His blood, then we may love each other as brothers and sisters and build each other up in that body that we may all see the kingdom. And that we don't get there by exalting ourselves above others. 
but we do no harm and we lift each other up in God's love and God's mercy. And it is in God's mercy, I pray. Amen.